Good morning, Hyrock. Good to be with you again in our daily Devo journey through Exodus. As you can see, uh, recording two de- we've recorded two Devos today. Uh, Pastor Dave is still up uh, at camp, and we're uh, glad to be with you. We are in Exodus chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, and I'm going to go ahead and read the text for us today. Let's read the word of the Lord together. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will strike Pharaoh and the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that, Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact, he will be so eager to get rid of you that he will force you all to leave. Tell all the Israelite men and women to ask their Egyptian neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Now, the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel. And Moses was considered a very great man in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's officials and the Egyptian people alike. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. At midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. All the officials of Egypt will run to me and fall on the ground before me. Please leave, they will beg. Hurry and take all of your followers with you. Only then will I go. Then, burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh. Now the Lord had told Moses earlier, Pharaoh will not listen to you, but then I will do even more mightily miracles in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed these miracles in Pharaoh's presence, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he wouldn't let the Israelites leave the country. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. You know, um, Dave, just one kind of note about the text, and then I got something I want to share about this uh, this text itself and kind of my my journey with this particular uh, story. The first, the thing I want to mention though, before we get to that, is that this really reminds me of a piece of American history, which is the the phrase that's become sort of infamous uh, in civil rights history, which is forty acres and a mule." Uh, which has a complicated history, but in, you know, in, in gist is essentially after the Civil War, there was this intention which got overturned uh, after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated that freed slaves were going to be given 40 acres of property from the slave owners and a mule. They were going to be given some sort of economic, um, you know, we might call it um, uh, restitution or reparation. And it was going to sort of try to set things, I mean, you can't set it right, but to try to set it towards uh, more just uh, an equitable outcome, and it was going to give the freed slaves an opportunity to participate to participate in the economy. Because if you just free someone and then they have nothing to go with, they're starting at square one. Like where, what you know, that's free kind of you know free in name only. But if you can't you know get a roof over your head or feed yourself, what good is that freedom? Uh, and so it reminds me of that. And unfortunately, tragically, that was rolled back in the United States. But in this instance. You know, God seems to understand that not only are they going to be freed from their oppression, but they're going to be given uh, the spoil of their labor and they're going to be given enough uh, to actually participate in the economy as full people. Uh, and that's that's a that's a profound kind of holistic version of liberation. It's not just, hey, you get to get out of Egypt, but hey, you get to bring some of the things that you created 
that you earned, rightfully earned, and you're going to get to use that to bless your family for generations. So I note that, that this liberation is holistic and it has an economic component that certainly is something we should pay attention to today as we're thinking about uh, what liberation looks like uh, in our culture, in our context. Um, the other thing I'll just mention, and this is probably the most uh, notable thing for me, is this text and I have a long history. So uh, I grew up uh, as Arminian as you can get. And what that means is, a t it's a, if you're not familiar with that term, Joseph Arminius was a theologian, a Dutch theologian who basically believed in quick summary, was a real big proponent of the theology of free will, that humans have free will. I grew up believing this. I believe that I still do believe this, uh, but I was just like a real ardent Arminian theologian. And I got to college and I was taking a class on the Torah and this text was really bugging me. And we had the opportunity to pick one text to do a term long uh, study on. We each had to pick one. And I picked this one because it bothered me so much and I really wanted to solve it. And so I studied like for hours and hours, weeks and weeks, months and months, like just trying to find a way, some scholar who could just unlock the key so that this didn't say what it says. So that it could say, oh, you know, it, it looks like this, but it really means that. And then I wouldn't have to have my theology be challenged. Uh, but I just couldn't find it. Now, there are plenty of scholars who do say those things, but they just they, their arguments were not convincing. I just I couldn't. It's, let me clarify just for people who may not be following what you're talking about in particular yeah. is right there at the end where uh, uh, God says uh, where it says uh, verse 10, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's yes. heart, yes. Thank which you is to clarifying. suggest that God did not allow Pharaoh to have free will. Yes. And so that's why you, you're what you're trying to do is you say solve the text. You're trying to reconcile this conviction you have that is borne out from other parts of Scripture and in your experience yep. uh, articulated by Arminas with this example that seems to be the opposite. So yes. I just want to make sure everyone. No, thank you, thank you. you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I didn't clarify that. No, <laughs> that's important to know. Thank you. So, so I tried so hard to 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 reconcile this because again, like exactly said, I just I didn't want it to be true because it it was going to force me to let go of this belief that I held fervently. And what I eventually came to was, you know, I do believe that God allows us free will 99.9999% of the time, but not all the time. The, the text is pretty clear here. This, this is a violation of, of Pharaoh's free will. Now, I will note, I think a couple of things are important to, to pay attention to. First, this actually isn't the first time we've, we've, we've as we've been jumping around access, this has actually happened before uh, in the plague narrative. Uh, and there are a couple other times in the Old Testament where this will happen to powerful rulers. Um, and that's not a coincidence, I, I don't think, that it really only happens to powerful rulers who are engaging in oppressive behaviors, standing in the way of God accomplishing God's purposes, and are predisposed to evil. I mean, there are other times in the, in the Exodus narrative where we see that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. So this is not taking a righteous person who is going to do some good thing and is a you know, a, a, an innocent soul and is going to, you know, and then God makes them evil. It's not that it, it's, it is these very niche scenarios where if one person can be held onto for a little longer to do something that they were already doing, then a greater liberation can take place. And, and we'll find that that's in the few instances where this does happen in the old Testament, uh, those categories hold fairly true. And so, yes, I do believe we have free will almost all the time, but there are times when God is justified in saying, not today. Uh, and so uh, anyways, I, I've wrestled with this text for 
decades now. And uh, it's taken me a long time to kind of come to that sort of piece about this text. But I think we just have to honor and accept that it says what it says. Uh, and for some, perhaps if you grew up in a more reformed tradition or come from that tradition or currently hold those views, this probably doesn't challenge you. This may be actually is, is you know, as normal as, as breathing air, but uh, I didn't come from that tradition. And so this was really challenging uh, for me. So just wanted to start, share that story in my own journey with this text. Dave, I'm curious, how does this you know, sit with you? Um, I, for me, it does not feel as challenging at this point. And I think you're right. I also went through a time where I was trying to figure this out. And the reason why this is, has been such a perennial debate is it's pitting two important doctrines uh, against each other, and that is human agency and therefore responsibility and God's sovereignty, right? So is God really in control? Can, is God omnipotent? Can he do anything? Can no one actually defy God? It, well, if that's true, then how is it that I could possibly have free will? Because I can't defy God. I can't overpower God. I, you know. And so how do you reconcile these two things? And so you're right. There's been a, a many different theologians who've tried to come at that. Um, for me, uh, I actually don't see them. It, it just doesn't feel like quite such a, a, a battle um, because I see that the way that I actually interact in the world. And so, you know, we have a, a nice fenced in backyard and I might tell my kids, hey, I want you guys to play in the backyard. Uh, now, I don't care what they do. They can jump on the trampoline. Great. They can kick a soccer ball in the grass. Great. They can do, you know, swing on the swings. Great. As soon as one of them starts trying to take a baseball bat and hit his brother, not so great. Right. And that's when I'm going to intervene. And so that it, it, but it's not that I did not have the power over them, but somehow, you know, you know, because they're playing soccer and that's not exactly what I decided for them that somehow I've abdicated all power. It's like I've said, I have authority and I am now giving you a piece of that authority. And I think that is what God does it. As we are God's image bearers, we actually, right, God, uh, Psalm 8, we're made a little bit lower than the angels. God, God places all things under our authority. Uh, and we're, we're to rule over the, the birds of the sky and the, the, the animals of the fields and the fish of the air, uh, fish of the sea. <laughs> and, um, the, uh, and so that we do have a, an authority that is a derivative authority, right? It doesn't take away or compete with God's authority. It's a way of God exercising authority. So I'm giving you this thing to choose. But God doesn't give up his authority in that. God saying, I don't, I'm not going to control this piece until I want to. And so at any moment, I can go out in the yard and say, you know, good, I'm just so much bigger than, you know, my kids, especially when they're little. Say, no, 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 no. You're not going to hit your, your brother with the bat. I'm going to take the bat and I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to bring you inside or I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to put you on the trampoline or, or whatever. I'm going to redirect you to something different. I have the authority. My sovereignty is never, never challenged. I have the authority to have them do whatever I think they ought to do. But I won't exercise that authority in most cases. And I think the true, same thing is true with us. I do believe that, we, that it's not just apparent human agency. We have very real human agency, which is why we have responsibility for our choices and for mm -hmm. our words, because God gave us free choice. And we could have you know, played on the swings, but we chose to hit our brother with a bat. And, and so uh, I think 
our our agency is real therefore our responsibility is real therefore god's judgment is legitimate mm. because of a violation of the agency god gave it for a purpose that we would exercise it in one way and yet we end up exercising it in the opposite of what god had wanted uh but god's never advocating and so at any moment then god can come in and say nope i am now going to have to reassert my authority in a more direct way uh, and that's where I feel like God's sovereignty and our agency can coexist quite easily, uh, which interestingly enough, if you can, you know, I, every thinker I think ends up, you know, they have very complex nuanced thoughts and it gets sort of, you know, boiled down to a, uh, you know, a fortune cookie. Um, and, and actually Arminius had a view, something like this, which mm -hmm. I also had not known until I was in graduate school and I was reading Arminius. So that, oh, Okay, I you know I thought I'd come up with something really clever and new, but you know maybe we'd end up having swamism, and then I realized now that people beat me to it. Um, but uh, but anyway, I think that is how these things can be reconciled. But I think it's so important, and this is the point I want to leave with. Uh, the point that I want to reinforce the point that you made that God didn't just come out of the blue and do this. Yeah. Right? Pharaoh had made a series of bad decisions. Pharaoh had hardened his heart, and now, in order, in a sense, to to use him as a foil. God is going to harden his heart completely. Saying, okay, you made your decisions. I am now going to, you know, bring that to its full, full measure, you know, to, to maturity, so that I can now, you know, liberate these people and I can uh, demonstrate the 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 uh, how much greater God is than even the greatest, most pretentious human being. Uh, and so that's, I, but I think that is the, the it's not God is not capricious. Yeah. And, the use of his control. Uh, God, God was so patient. And yet finally it had become intolerable. Yeah. Well, well said, well said. All right. Well, Dave, on that note, can I close us in prayer? Please. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign and that you love us so much that you give us free will. Would you inspire us today to use our free will, our agency, to love you and to love others so that we would inherit your kingdom where we are all welcome and where liberation is normative, expected, and celebrated. Lord, may that be true today because of your good work in and through us. All this we pray in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Friends, I hope these devotions are helping you just enjoy who God is more, know God more, and be able to trust God more. So we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow as we continue our march through Exodus.